She's scandalous, but she's also fabulous. Scandalous. 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 If you don't know, now you fucking know. Scandalous. Notorious. She's so scandalous. Now. They call it a dream, want to know what it's like, but most guitar players can't come close to the talent and skill it takes to do what he's done. Mark Rizzo, guitar player of Soulfly, Cavalera Conspiracy, and solo record artist many times over. Yeah, he's a big deal. How are you doing, Mark? Great. I'm in Texas, so I'm in a good mood, you know? Oh, Great there you go. Are you still in Texas? Yeah, I'm uh, chilling in Dallas for the day, and then we're getting ready to go down to Houston. We got a bunch of shows coming up in Houston, Galveston, and San Antonio. Awesome. There you go. Okay, cool. So San Antonio, I'm in Austin, not too far away. Nice. Yeah. Are you um, hanging out there in Fort Worth with Warren and all them? Yeah, yeah. With my buddies down there, we'll, we'll be meeting up. Next show's in Houston, which is one of my favorite towns to be in. So it's going to be a good time. we got a lot of friends in Houston. And I'm doing the BFE on Thursday. Then Friday, we're playing the Beach Bum Surfside in Galveston. And then Fitzgerald's in San Antonio. Oh, and then there's one more show, Cold Spring, Texas. That's at Shifter's Roadhouse. So it's going to be a good time. Nice. So are you like the first person you know of that's like on tour right now? You know, I got some other friends of mine, you know, like Dave Ellison. I know he's been doing sporadic shows in states that were allowing it. So Dave Ellison and my good friend Opus from Dead by Wednesday, they've been going out doing shows here and there. So I've been kind of following them and seeing how things were going, you know, during, during all this. And, and they said they had great shows, you know, the turnouts were, were not packed, but, you know, people kept their distance and whatever. And yeah, I said, what the hell, I'm, I'm ready to hit the road, you know, so uh, Opus helps me out with a lot of booking, uh, as does Nicholas Bell with God Size Bookings, and we decided to go for it. I started about a month ago in the Midwest, had a whole bunch of shows out there, and then went to Montana for four shows, and then shot right down here to Texas for about two weeks of shows. Wow. Have you played Montana a lot before? Yeah, I played there a couple times, but usually we just go there and do like Billings, Montana do like one show and then leave. This time I was there for four shows and it was incredible. It really was an amazing time. You know, my buddies up there, they took me to all the state parks and, and to all these really cool places in Montana and the shows were packed. I mean, it was, it was really cool. Yeah, you know, I'm real, real grateful to be out there doing this. Yeah, well, I'm so grateful I got to see you. You're like one of my first big music friends to come through. And I was like, oh my God, Mark Rizzo's here. It's like, it's big. And I, I felt it when I walked in. I was, this is big, y'all. This is big. It felt so good, like, actually seeing you and seeing a live show. And the energy you brought up on stage was so exciting. Well, thank you. It's a lot of fun. You know, I really enjoy doing this this project. It's, it's real easy for me to hit the road, and, and I make it affordable for promoters and for even fans and everybody. And it's just, you know, I'm real lucky that I'm, I'm finally able to, to hit the road and do this because this is what I love to do. To even during this whole crazy situation because the way I tour it, I'm just in a car, you know, I'm at a hotel like this by myself. It's probably the safest way you could tour with everything going on. It's not like I'm on a bus with 10 people and, you know, everybody's on top of each other, basically. You know, it's real, a lot of social distancing on what I'm, the way I'm doing it, so. There you go. <laughs> so you were social distanced before you had to when you go out on the road by yourself. I honestly, I haven't been very paranoid during this whole situation, but, uh, you know, like I said, just the way I'm touring like this, it's real perfect for what's going on right now. Awesome. Well, it was, again, it was so exciting because watching you, I think I've seen you play solo. I've seen, I think I saw you play 
was like 07 was the only time I saw you solo. And I'd forgotten what it was like. But when you went up on stage, it was like, you don't need the whole band. Just watching you, I was drawn to the front and I was like closer, closer, closer. That same energy of the show, you know, the whole band thing, you have that. And that was really cool to watch. And that was really exciting. Well, thank you. I'm real lucky that I'm able to tour like this by myself. Again, because I can make it affordable for me to hit the road and make it affordable for clubs, you know, because obviously clubs are real hurting right now. So I don't really ask for that much money because I don't have to pay a crew. I don't have to pay, you know, band members and stuff like that. It's just me jamming to a backing track, which is something I've been doing for a long time. It's kind of how my whole solo project started was putting out my first record on Shrapnel Records and then just doing like in stores and clinics playing to a backing track. And then eventually, I think about seven or eight years ago, I started touring like that. So I'm, I'm real lucky that I can do it, that I can tour. And this is how I'm making a living right now. I'm very lucky. That's awesome. Well, and we're lucky for it being a metal fan. You really, you would think that you need like the whole band experience, but you get the whole feeling and you get that excitement. Everything like, oh, wow, I love metal. I love these guitars. It's, you get that good, good from like what you love for metal. You get that from your show. So that's great. Thank you. Well, it's actually, my backing tracks is actually my band. And what's real interesting is, uh, so it's my drummer, Anthony Divizio, who plays on my solo records. That's what you're hearing at my shows. And then the bass was my one of my uh, good friends, Derek Klybish, who, who passed away back in October. It's his bass, actually. It's, it's kind of cool that, you know, he's still, you know, he's gone. I still keep his memory alive by him jamming with me on stage with my back and track. So it's, it's pretty interesting. Wow, that's special. That's some good, good. That's, that's some good metal knowledge. That's some good metal love. I love to... <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. That's awesome. So there are a lot of funny jokes about guitar players selling their soul to the devil to get to your level. Why are you so good? And how long have you been playing? What's like the infancy of your playing? Uh, thank you. Honestly, it's just I've been doing it since I was eight years old. Every single day, I've been fanatical about playing guitar. I'm just obsessed with the instrument and I still play every day. And that's all it is. It's just the fact that I've been doing it every day for a very, very long time, you know, 30 something years I've been playing guitar now. And that's it. You know, it's just something that when you stick with it, eventually, you know, hopefully you get, you get pretty good at something. Again, you know, I'm lucky I had parents that were real supportive with me playing guitar, all the cool opportunities I've had, you know, and, and ever since I've been doing this full time as a living, you know, I, I've always taken it very seriously, especially when I hit the road, like with El Nino, wow, I'm, I'm getting paid to do this now, you know, so it's like really better take it seriously. So, you know, every show to me matters, you know, trying to put on a perfect performance, showing up prepared, you know, and be ready to rock out live and try to put on a great show for everybody. You know, these, these tickets aren't free, so you got to put on a show. Yeah. When was the first time you figured out, wow, I might be really good at this, maybe better than most? Do you remember that moment where you're like, wow, I think I'm really good? I don't know. I don't think I've ever really, there's still players out there that freak me out, you know? So I, I don't know. It's more of an inspiration thing. It's more of just like being so inspired by other people and just constantly wanting to get better. So I don't think I've ever really was like, I'm never happy with my playing and I'm always critiquing it after the shows. I'm always watching the videos when people record. I love that because I, I really sit down and analyze it and try to improve on everything I'm doing every night. So it's a real, it's a love-hate relationship with the guitar, you know? <laughs> and a love-hate relationship with people being on their phones. Like, get off your phone, get on your phone, get off your phone, get on your phone. I don't mind, you know, like I said, I like when people record my shows because then mm -hmm. I can go on YouTube and watch the show from the night before. 
look at it, see what I could have done better, you know, playing wise, sound wise, you know, certain things. Like I kind of watch it, like played football, watching this, the big game, you know, and, and trying to learn from the game, you know, and try to improve and get better. Yeah, absolutely. And I know you are a thrash hardcore guy from Jersey. Those are your beginnings. That's where you come from. And I know you're a big Candiria fan. What could you tell people about that band? Why they should go and check them out? Yeah, I mean, Candiria was probably one of the most mind-blowing original bands I ever heard in my life. For me, it was like probably, you know, the way that people, when they first saw the Bad Brains in the early 80s or or Jimi Hendrix, you know, Candiria was that band for me. I remember just being blown away by the way they, they mixed jazz and metal, death metal and percussion. And I had never heard any music like that before in my life. And it was a huge influence on me growing up seeing Candiria live, you know, around New York City, New Jersey, and listening to their records. And it really what inspired me to start mixing like flamenco guitar with metal, because I just loved the way Candiria mixed jazz and, and death metal. I think they should have been like the biggest band in metal, you know, and it just goes to show sometimes how this business is whacked. <laughs> there's certain bands that are huge. And then there's other bands like Candiria, you know, that I, I think should have been like the biggest thing in metal. So I don't know. It's really weird. Yeah, absolutely. And you talked about mixing Flamingo and metal. It is wild listening to your solo records. And I mean, wild. Thank Going you. from the straight metal that I feel like it's kicked up a notch because you can you only do guitar. So I feel like you can just go fucking nuts with it and you go crazy with it, like in your face, 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 like so much more than you can, you know, a normal strong song structure. And then mixing it with Flamingo, it's, um, it's like easy listening metal. It's like, I'm gonna chill out a little bit. It's really cool duality of really heavy, really talented. And then also kind of like chilled out, easy listening kind of metal that feels really good and happy. Yeah, it's basically like the kind of music I, I love to listen to. I'm, I'm a big fan of instrumental guitar music. That's really what I listen to the most as a musician is a lot of Joe Satriani, Eric Johnson, Hendrix, Inve Malmsteen. I just, I'm a fanatic about the guitar. I just, I love guitar music so much. So for me, it's just all about mixing all the different types of guitar music that I listen to, which is I love flamenco, I love jazz, I love blues, I love metal. So my records are just basically just, you know, a guitar experience, you know, so it's, that's what I, I do. And I'm, I'm lucky that people dig it and I can just hit the road and tour by myself. You know, real fortunate to be able to get out there and just play instrumental guitar music and have people dig it. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And um, I just, I never know song titles, but I love the one of, from Odin's Beard something. What's the song title of that? Of Odin's uh, Beard? By, by Great Odin's Beard. Yeah, that's, that's just like a real heavy kind of thrash groovy song you know kind of old school you know i know serious radio jose was spinning that song a lot and i always get requested to play that song live i guess that's kind of maybe one of the, the more bigger songs that i wrote nice oh there you go well i love that jose picked that one too because that was my pick i was like if nice. you're listening to a solo album first start with this one according mm -hmm. to me what song would you want people to listen to first judging your solo album solo record Probably off my last record, I got some of my favorite stuff. It's got, it's probably the best production I've ever done because I recorded it with my good friend Zeus, who's like one of my favorite all-time producers. Yeah. Um, probably the song Downside Up. I really love that song a lot. It's the first song on the record. It's, it's heavy grooving. It's got a lot of melody, a lot of solos, um, but it's got heavy grooving riffs going. So that really, um, that really is what I'm into, you know, that, that style. And then for like acoustic stuff, I would say that off my... My second record, 
called the song was called Trentinar. That's a really cool flamenco inspired song. That's all acoustic. It's really fun listening to that kind of music. I've never listened to it before. So listening to it with you join it, that's my intro to it. So it's actually like really cool music I've never listened to before. So that's awesome. Zeus is doing so much and he's one of my good friends. We talk all the time. What do you think the difference is that Zeus makes as a producer? It's always kind of funny to me, like getting the concept of what a producer does as, you know, the band's job stop and the producer's job start up. What do you think he like brings to the table? Because I know he's a guy, but I'm kind of curious yeah. of like where um, your job starts and where his picks up. Well, first and foremost, he's experienced. You know, he's made thousands of records in the metal genre. And, you know, you could sit down and talk about metal with the guy and he knows everything, you know, that that you're talking about. And he knows even more than me. You know, he's a little bit older than me. So we could sit down and talk about metal, hardcore and, and thrash and, and everything. And, and he knows, you know, he knows his stuff. He's very experienced. He's been doing this since like the early 90s. You know, he also plays guitar. So that's a big part, too. You know, so we're on the same page with that. And then uh, he, he just has a great ear for music. You know, he knows his stuff. He hears things, you know. Part of my favorite part of working with Zeus was always that, you know, he's a, he's a no bullshit kind of guy. You know, he'll tell you straight up like, nah, man, I think you could do that better. And he gets, he gets the best out of me. You know, when I sit down in the studios, he really pushes me as a guitar player. You know, he's one of the few guys I've worked with that's like, nah, man, do it again. You could do it better. Like a lot of producers won't do that, you know. Zeus will be like, nah, man, you could do it better. Do it again. And he gets the best out of me, you know. And, and the best records I ever made with him was definitely Soulfly and Slave record. That's my favorite Soulfly record. And then my record rotation that I did with him. You know, it just, again, he gets the best out of me when we record together. That's awesome. So it is a really good story. And it typically doesn't happen this quick. Sometimes it does, but you quit El Nino, I think it was at the time. And 24 hours go by and then you get the call to join Soulfly. Like talk yeah. about having a conscience about what you're in it for, what you actually like mm-hmm. doing. And then mm-hmm. you get the call to join Soulfly. What was that like for you? Yeah, it was unbelievable because, uh, you know, I had left El Nino in like 2002 and I was pursuing my instrumental records. I was in a studio recording my first solo record, Colossal Myopia. And then Mike Gitter over at Roadrunner Records had called me and said, Mikey uh, Dolan had just left Soulfly. And if I'd be interested in audition, I was like, hell yeah, you know? And so basically I got that offer the day after I quit. But I didn't really hear from the Soulfly people until like maybe two months later. And then, you know, I was on a flight flying out to, to meet Max and play some shows. And, and then we went in to record the Prophecy record back in 2003. So um, ever since then, it's just been a roller coaster been going nonstop. Yeah, absolutely. And what was the process like? of you joining the band and at what point were you able to like, okay, I'm in, I'm your guy. But then when did they start to trust you or when did you start to get, you know, okay, here's my input in it. Was that automatic or did you have to wait an album? No, it, was, it happened right away. So we went in to do prophecy and notice all the flamenco guitars on prophecy record. You know, that was definitely my, my influence on the record. We did a lot of acoustic sections on that record. There's tons of acoustic stuff from the Mars instrumental jam to there's, there's a bunch of flamenco parts. There's some bossa nova acoustic things, you know, that I was really, I was already doing stuff like that on my first solo record. And I just basically showed a lot of those ideas to Max. And, you know, he was like, yeah, man, let's, let's put it on the record. So it was cool to be part, you know, of input of that very, that first record of Prophecy and then everyone after that, you know. So um, it's pretty cool. Awesome. Cool. So what were the first few tours like? The Soulfly tours? Was it, had to be so much different? Were you so much happier 
doing the kind of music that you wanted to do? Yeah, but it was it was also very, you know, when Soulfly goes on tour, it's a tour. It's three months straight sometimes, you know, and then come home for a week and then you're back out again for two or three months. So obviously for me, you know, I've always been close to my family, having a personal life, you know, a lot of that just basically over the last 17 years have been very, very, very difficult to to try to maintain because, you know, again, Soulfly tours harder and longer than probably any other band out there, you know. So it was it was hard trying to get used to that, you know. And it still is. It's still difficult to, you know, be family for a real long period of time and my personal life, you know, it's it's tough, you know. Yeah, absolutely. What's it like working with Gloria? I've always just looked up to that woman mm-hmm. and you know, guys are fine. Y'all don't really excite me. I'm like around it, I don't care. But women in the industry, mm-hmm. that's who I get really excited about. Is it fun just watching her go and just, you know, she's a badass and she takes no shit. Is it fun watching her? Yeah, it's been fun. You know, obviously, it's difficult for a woman, I'm sure, in the, the music industry. So, uh, you know, she's she's had a, a great run, obviously, in this business. And I'm sure it's not easy for a woman, I'm sure. I don't think it's hard for her at all. You know, mm-hmm. I think it, you know, might be harder for other women. I don't think it's hard for her at all. Mm-hmm. I, think it's I, think, I think she does it for breakfast and then, you know, I, w- I really want to have her on my podcast. So I've, been, I've reached out a few times. I'm going to get her on the podcast for sure. Right. Nice. Yeah. So what are uh, some of the songs with Soulfly that you were proudest of? A lot of the stuff I knew, you know, coming into Soulfly, El Nino, we were very influenced by Soulfly and, and Old Sepultura and also a lot of the old thrash metal bands that I was in around New York, New Jersey. We, played a lot of old school Sepultura. So when I joined Soulfly, I would come out and play a lot of these old Sepultura songs to Max. And he would look at me like, man, you know that? I'm like, yeah, dude, I, I grew up on, you know, Arise and Beneath the Remains. So I knew a lot of these songs coming into the band already. And I think that really, that's what led for the band to even get more back to that thrash sound. Was that, you know, kind of playing these riffs in front of Max and recognizing that I could play that stuff, you know, that I grew up learning Andreas's guitar solos. You know, he was one of my favorite lead guitar players back in the day and still is. And then also our old drummer, Joe Nunez, you know, he was a total thrash metal, death metal drummer. So when we started making Prophecy and Joe recognized that I, I loved all that real technical old school death metal, thrash metal, and Max recognized that I knew that stuff, then it was kind of like, you know, we went more into that thrash metal direction, which obviously, you know, the fans see that we went into more of a thrash sound with that new lineup. And then that's where we made Dark Ages and you had songs like Frontlines, you know, which could have been on Beneath the Remains or it could have been on a Slayer record, you know. So that's where that whole influence came from. Yeah. And you guys have done a lot of tours that were just albums, like we're torn off this album, this album, this album. If you had your way, what tour would you do next? Um, what would feel really good to you coming back to it? Like going back to a tour, you're saying? Or? Yeah, you know, next Soulfly tour. Like what would feel really good to you? Like doing this album in completion. I would have loved to tour the Enslaved record more. It was the last record we put out on Roadrunner. And I feel like it never really got the push it deserved because I guess we weren't going to continue with Roadrunner for whatever reason. And I don't feel like we toured it long enough. And it's got some of my favorite songs on it. You know, again, did it with, with Zeus, one of my favorite producers. And, and I think it really, to me, the Enslaved record, you could put that record next to any of those old classic Sepultura records and, and they're just as good. So I would love to, to go out and play that record in its entirety. You know, to me, that was a real special record. It's some of my, my favorite guitar playing on it, my favorite solos. So yeah, that would be it, the Enslaved record. Oh, yeah. 
Well, I love that you're like, hey, this one may not have been as successful as the other ones because it didn't get the promo it deserved. But I know it was great. And I know it was really good. <laughs> so like at the end of the day, all you have to do is just make yourself happy. So you're like, mm-hmm. I know I fucking killed on that one. So that's good. So I wanted to ask you, are you into paranormal things at all? I love talking about that. And that's one of my yeah. favorite things to listen yeah. to on podcasts. Have yeah, you yeah. had any experiences with those things at all? Yeah, I mean, actually, this morning, I saw an old lady crawling upside down on my ceiling. You know, I called the front desk, and uh, they said that she does that once in a while. (laughs) Yeah, actually, I do. I I got some crazy paranormal story. I stayed at a hotel in Milwaukee once. It's one of the hotels, I think, where Jeffrey Dahmer apparently killed someone. And I had some weird paranormal things going on in the room. I had a light bulb going on and off in a a lamp, an old school, like, clicker lamp. And it kept, it wasn't plugged in. I unplugged the lamp, and it kept turning on and off. I mean, so how the hell do you? How do you explain that? You know, it's pretty crazy. That's interesting. I don't like to talk about all the things that I've experienced because it's something I can't really talk about and I can't invite it back in. So I can't get a lot of power to it. But like a week and a half ago, I was hanging out with one of my girlfriends from Melvin and I are boyfriends and artists who was off doing art. We're in the kitchen and they had the strobe light in one of his uh, studio rooms. And excuse me, it's not a strobe light. It's just a light. And we were doing each other's tarot cards and like doing readings and staging and stuff like that. Mm. And when we would start talking about something, the light would start strobing and wow. going crazy. And I took a video of it. Wow. Yeah. Oh, and there's a picture I have. I'll send it to you. It's really funny. There's, yeah. um, you can see an actual ghost in the background. It's a picture of yeah. a woman holding a baby and there's an extra face right here. Wow. I have a picture. There's a picture of me online. I think it's on my Instagram page where I got a spirit orb above my head and you can see a face in it very clearly and it was it was from a soul fly photo shoot that we did in new orleans at this like real famous old cemetery so um, that's a very real thing you know now when i go on the road i bring a ouija board with me i, I love a good ouija board game you know you like freaking me out you do not <laughs> no, you do not you don't do ouija do you you're just nah. me right i'm more into twister i play twister a lot <laughs> There you go. There you go. I was like, I'm freaked out, scared. I know you're kidding. When you're like, oh, yeah, there's an old woman like climbing up my ceiling last night. What are you talking about? It's like the same thing watching horror movies. I was like, I'm scared, but I want to know. But you're fucking kidding. But you're fucking with me. I don't know. That that was good. Good for you. You got a good horror movie scare out of me. So um, getting back into guitar a little bit, what are your favorite guitars? And I'm sure you were just endorsed by everyone. Who are you endorsed by? What do you stand by gear-wise? I have a signature seven-string Washburn. I've been, I've been playing some diamonds lately. I play all types of guitars, you know. The seven, my, my signature Washburn is great. The stuff I've been using with diamond, I, I enjoy a lot. I mean, I, I kind of jump around a lot. You know, it's just I, I love guitars, you know, and I have a hard time playing any one guitar actually nowadays you know it's just i like different tones different sounds you know my favorite guitars are really like gibson les pauls gibson sg so i like anything that's shaped like that like my washburn signature is shaped like a, a les paul but it's a seven string mm-hmm. which i've been playing a lot of seven. you were playing uh that was a seven string diamond actually i've been playing a lot of seven strings lately too just because it just kind of the music calls for it. i've been doing a lot more low tunings but i really like having like good intonation to keep my guitar in standard so by playing a seven string that really helps with me doing low tunings especially on my my last solo record rotation i was doing a lot more low b tunings so it called for using a seven string there you go someone 
commented below, do you play eight strings as well? Nah, it's not for me. You know, it's more, I guess, for that, that gent sound, which I don't really play. But I'd be willing to check an eight string out, but I'm pretty cool with a seven for now. You know, I'm old school. I, I like old old school music, you know, but but it is incredible, those eight strings. And, and what guys like Tosin Abbasi is doing with eight string is incredible. So I have to check it out. Yeah, it's a good Nam question when we get Nam mm-hmm. back in person. It's a good walking around, play with this, mess with this a little bit. So are there any riffs that riffs of yours that people try and play and they play badly because it's not the notes that they think it is? It's actually this. Yeah, there's quite a few. Yeah, there's well, a lot. There's a lot. <laughs> you know, some of them are, there's not a lot of tabs out there. You know, I actually, on my Patreon page, I was putting tabs up. So if anyone joins the Patreon page, you know, you can hit me up and I'll put tabs up and show you how to play the songs correctly. But yeah, there's a lot of songs that I I see people kind of playing the wrong way, but that's, that's normal. You know, I mean, it's just, it's hard to pick things up by ear. Probably the most difficult one, I think, would be the Soulfly Frontline song. Nobody seems to get it right. It's a little trick I came up with. It's It's a hammer on shrill slide type of riff, the intro riff, and it's kind of hard to pick it up by ear. Well, I'm about to join TikTok. I swear every day or every week, I'm like, I'll do it this week. So that sounds like a social media challenge to me. Something yeah. like that. Sounds like so we could make something out of that. So what's everything that's on your Patreon? So that's really cool that you can actually get tabs. Do you do lessons as well? I was doing lessons, especially when the whole COVID thing hit. I really don't enjoy teaching, you know, not to be a jerk, but it's just not really, you know, when I get a guitar in my hand, I want to play, I want to jam, you know. So I kind of took a break from teaching and I was doing the tab thing, you know, when people ask for it, you know, then, then I'll do the tab thing. But honestly, now that I'm back on the road and I plan on continuing being on the road, going to the States that are open to do my solo gigs, I'm, fo- I'm just focusing on that, you know, but I'm always willing after my shows, uh, you know, as you know, I'm always hanging out after the show. There's no, you know, meet and greet for me is hanging out at the bar with you guys and, and just talking to people on the real, you know, I, I don't do it any other way. I enjoy talking to fans after the show like to me that's that's fun you know i like being social i like hanging out and a lot of times when i'm just hanging out with fans after the show you know we're talking about guitar things and and i have no problem showing people things you know and talking about riffs and solos and scales and and whatever people want to talk about i I can sit here and talk about guitar all day long so that's how my shows go down yeah and i'm not a guitar player so you always talk to me about your love life of oh i'm dating this chick or oh it didn't work out or oh my god you should know blah blah <laughs> so i don't i don't play guitar so that's what you're talking about it's like oh this chick from brazil i don't know <laughs> <laughs> that's a great topic too you know there's yeah there's something about me you just you see me and you're like god i have to tell you a story and i'm like tell me <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So um, I saw you at Come and Take It Live last week, and it was really cool. And I felt like I was seeing a new side of you that I've never seen before. And it was because it was a smaller show, and you could watch the other band from the bar, drink beer, and listen to the music. And I guess, you know, at a typical show setting, you're watching from side stage, so one really gets to see you react to the music. And you really reacted. What about their music moved you and touched you? And are you just really in love with music right now? Because I saw it. Yeah, you know, I'm, I just, when I hear good music and people that are talented and people that are passionate about their music, number one, passionate and go up on stage and really want to be there, you know, it's inspiring. So um, actually this tour that I'm on is incredible. The kid that I got opening up for us is James, you know, Everyone's been talking about it on the tour. I basically saw him when I flew into Texas to start this tour about two weeks ago. 
me and uh, Warren, you know, Warren Garza and Chris Pallone, we went down to uh, the guys that had booked the tour, or my drivers and friends, you know, promoters. Anyway, so they took me out to Deep Ellum just to hang out. And we went to this bar where this kid was, was just shredding. And he was on the upstairs rooftop of the bar. I'm like, man, we've got to go see what this is. And it was our good friend, James. Now he's my good friend, you know, but they knew him and introduced me. I said, I want this kid on the tour. So we basically kidnapped him. We, we threw him in the car with his guitar and he's hit the road with us and, and he's been opening up for me. And he's like totally ecstatic to be on the tour. He's never been on a tour before. So it was that easy. It just was like, hey, dude, I, I dig what you're doing and, you know, grab your stuff. You're coming on the road with us. So, so that's how that went down. And then Whiskey Dick is this incredible acoustic rock country blues band from down here in Texas, who I, I've actually jammed with before. They don't remember, but I stumbled into one of their shows years ago here in, in Fort Worth, and I got up and jammed with them a bit. They're just incredible. They're blowing my mind away every single night, as is James Norton. You know, this, this tour has been incredible. It's just there's so much talent on that stage, which is something that I, I'm really into. You know, it's people that are talented and and can play their instruments to a certain level and sing to a certain level. Like, I'm just really into that. It, it inspires me. And so Whiskey Dick is incredible. It's different for me because they're kind of like a, a country rock band. And I love that stuff. You know, I like a lot of Southern rock. I love the Allman Brothers, Leonard Skinner. I love all that stuff. And Fritz, the singer from Whiskey Dick, actually has been coming up and singing some Jimi Hendrix songs with me. So it's been really cool. You know, it's been just, just a really cool, uh, different vibe for me. You know, we've been playing a lot of like Roadhouse blues bars, you know, just something that I love. Bluesy rock. So I've been doing, throwing more of that type of stuff into my set list. So uh, for me, this tour has just been really, really cool. Awesome. I love that. I love that you're still inspired and you're still so in love with music. You've been doing it for so long. And at the end of the day, like it's still all about music. That's really inspiring. So what does Soulfly have coming up? And do you have your next round of dates after this tour ready? Is it booked? Can you announce anything? Yeah, I'm going to be throwing up a flyer on all my social medias pages, hopefully today or tomorrow. After this tour, I'm going to go home for about two weeks and just chill out and then go back out to the Midwest, I think, for about a week. And then I'm getting down to Florida and I'm just going to keep making my rounds. You know, when I do my solo tours, this is the way I really love to tour, which is go out for like a week, come home for like a week, you know. That way I get the best of both worlds, like, you know, my home life and then I can hit the road and do my tour stuff. So it's been really cool. It's been great. And I want to just keep going at it. And as far as Soulfly, I haven't heard anything. I don't know what's going on. You know, I think a, a band on that level, I don't know if we're, when we're going to tour next. You know, I know a lot of the bigger bands that are in buses and, and playing bigger clubs, I guess, still can't tour. So uh, I'm just going to keep doing my thing in the meantime. Awesome. Sounds good. Well, I'm going to check those tour dates and see if I can make any other shows while you're still here. Cool. Yeah. Nice. Thanks so much. So that um, pretty much covers my interview. Anything else you want to say to anyone who's in here? Uh, yeah, just a big thank you to all the fans, you know, for all the support. It's been um, it's been really cool to have a lot of fans, you know, excited that I'm back on the road doing my project, you know, because it's been a really, really hard year. You know, I, I really didn't get any support at all during this time. Still waiting to get unemployment. You know, who knows when, when the hell I was ever going to get that anyway. It's just been really tough, you know, so uh, it's just been a, a fend for yourself type of situation this whole year. I'm real grateful to be back on the road doing what I love to do and making a living. The Scandalous Podcast is written and produced by me, edited by Chris Payer. 
If you like the show, please tell a friend or rate and review on iTunes. Follow me at ScandalousOfficial on Instagram and at ScandalousSays on Twitter. If you have any comments or feedback, feel free to DM me on Instagram or email me at press at ScandalousOfficial.com. I have Scandalous merch available at ScandalousOfficial.Bandcamp.com. If you want to support the show, Patreon.com slash Scandalous Podcast. And until next time, rockers, I'll see you later, metalheads.